0: Hey there, and welcome back to A Conversation for One podcast. The podcast where I ramble on about a variety of topics like horror and sci-fi multimedia, film universes, theme parks, and Canadiana. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Horlings. I feel like I never actually introduced myself, but yeah, that's who I am in case uh, you're new here. Um, Today, um, I thought I was going to try something new. Uh, Usually, you know, I have full episodes and then I have what I like to call little minisodes. And yeah, I don't know if this is going to be the first episode or if I'm going to release this a little bit later, but I was thinking I was going to do a little thing called, um, like film shame. I don't know if I'm going to call it film shame. Maybe I'll call it movie shame, but probably film shame. And, uh, anyways, in these little segments, I was thinking I'm going to just, you know, maybe talk 30 minutes probably about a film that I should have seen or like everybody has seen or is like a classic, like a classic film. That uh, most people have seen that I haven't seen, or that like I'm a huge fan of, and I just haven't seen. Um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, for example, like the film we're talking about today. I'm like huge. I wouldn't say like huge. Like I don't like you know get my rocks off to it anymore. Like, but like a big Quentin Tarantino fan. Um, I'm not in high school anymore, so I'm not like everything that has to be Quentin Tarantino or bust um, but I am a pretty big fan I have enjoyed basically all of his movies aside from hateful eight uh, you can throw your tomatoes at me later at the end of the show but I don't I didn't really care for that but last night I saw something he didn't actually direct but it's got his fingerprints all over it because the bad boy wrote the thing and that is true romance uh, true romance the 1993 film uh, perfect year if I may say so myself uh, a lot of greats were born in that year like yours truly stars christian slater um it's like this like wise talking con man and you got patricia arquette who's got like this like i think she's like a call girl but she's got like this like 1950s kind of like pulpy pinup kind of look mixed with like i don't know like trailer trash i don't know it all worked for me if you know me you you know exactly what i'm talking about like you got i am just an absolute pushover when it comes to like fast talking lovable con men I like I'm just like I want to be that person. That's basically my brain is still like that 10-year-old boy who watched like, you know, catch me if you can. I always just see like the the lovable charming con man and I'm always like, "Yep, yeah, that's that's my guy. I love this." So let me just get this going here and let me just start by saying I absolutely love this film. I loved it. I loved it. Um, I couldn't stop watching it to be perfectly honest. I don't know if I want to get too plot heavy with this, but basically before I even dive into all the stuff I love, huge spoiler warnings by the way uh if you haven't seen the film trust me for the love of god watch this you don't have to be a big quentin tarantino fan you don't have to be a big tony scott fan which um he's the director he's done other great things like um he did oh tony scott he did top gun and he did oh, what's the other one he did there oh that's it he did the um the hunger which is an amazing movie by the way I, if i haven't already talked about it on the podcast i'm definitely gonna have to talk about that one eventually that hey you know what that could be a perfect one for another episode of a uh, movie shame or film shame whatever i decide i end up calling this um, but that's got david bowie susan sarandon and my favorite Catherine Deneuve. She's superb just beautiful amazing uh, and he also did days of thunder which has an absolute soft spot in my heart all three of those movies top gun especially and days of thunder can't get enough love those uh those paramount flicks but anyways so he's got his own flair he's got his own story uh, telling style He mixed it in with like a uh, amazing story and script by quentin tarantino and amazing performances Um, But yeah, you don't have to be a fan of either of the any of those things if you just really want a good movie or something different You know like I can't really decide what to watch especially in like this day and age, you know, it's really hard to just throw something on netflix you spend easy 20 minutes just scrolling through whatever like amazon youtube uh, netflix just like oh maybe this maybe that this that you're just watching like clips for like an, an hour before you end up like throwing on the office or friends or something like that you know it's a terrible world we live in we have too much of things too much of everything so that we don't we don't end up not choosing anything but that's a whole other topic for a whole other day
1: from the director of Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Hey. Hello, baby. Clarence? I'm a married man, buddy. <laughs> a con man. Ask him if you got the letter. Did you get the letter? What letter? Yeah, to no, no time. Tell him we got to go. A call girl. you call day? Huh? Ah! Ah! I'm out of she a four alarm fire or what? She seems very nice. What are you doing in L.A., anyway, huh? ...and a suitcase full of trouble. My name is Vincent Kercotti. I work as consul for Mr. Lou Blue Blue Boyle, the man your son stole from. Now, all that stands between them and their wildest dreams... Find out who this wing a prayer artist is and take him off at the neck. ...are 60 cops, <laughs> 40 agents,
0: man, this kid Clarence, I like
1: him. 30 mobsters. I haven't killed anybody since 1984. And a few thousand bullets.
0: We're all gonna die here. These are cops. Put it down. Put it down.
1: Put it down. down. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken. Slow it down, man. in a Tony Scott film. I think what you did... I think what you did was so... ...not since Bonnie and Clyde have two people been so good at being bad.
0: True Romance. Right. True romance. So the film um, basically is Clarence, who is basically our protagonist for the film, as much as you can call him that. And he is played by Christian Slater. And he's like this big dork. He like the film starts off with him watching. um, He's in trying to like invite this girl, which you find out later, by the way, I'm cutting myself off here. But like, it's like 12 o'clock after like the three back to back films are done 12 o'clock. So that means buddy was like at the bar when he's trying to pick up this girl to bring her to the movies. I like, four like four o'clock like he's at the bar early so like you know he can tell that like he doesn't have a whole lot going on so you find out he's a bit of an introvert and he wants to take this girl who's not Patricia Arquette. This is like a girl right at the beginning of the film. He's like sweet talking her and stuff. And he's like, yeah, do you want to see like Sunny Chieva, um in Street Fighter, uh, Street Fighter 2 and like Lady Street Fighter? And she's like, um, no, right? Which the girlfriend was just like, that would be me with you, which is very true. Cause that's, I was already like, when he's like, oh my God, Street Fighter. Like that's, th- those movies are amazing. But, and she was just rolling her eyes. So he's like, you know, he ends up, going to the movies and he meets Patricia Arquette and you find out like he's a bit of a dork like he works at a comic book store um, but he's basically like a big talker he's like a con man he kind of gets snowballed into it but you can tell he's like he's running with the snowball you know he's uh he's not just like carried away into it he's kind of steering the train which is i loved i was oh i'm so on board with that and then you meet patricia arquette's character alabama which you know what both clarence and alabama i know i'm like riding on a high from this film but i was like i would easily name my kids both clarence and alabama like clarence is like pretty strong very like man name and alabama you can call her like ally you can call her bam like wham bam thank you ma'am you can call your kids so many things with that anyways though so you meet her and she like comes in this like it's like an old theater and it's like an old style theater so like people are like smoking and there's just like the films are just playing whether like anybody's in there type of feel i always love those like me personally wouldn't really want to go to a theater like that all the time because it's very dingy and crummy and gross but at the same time the other half of me is like oh my god i wish theaters were still like that like you just go all the time like movies were playing all the time whether they're making money or not i guess it's more of a city thing but so we meet her she comes in she's got like the 50s kind of like flicked hair which i was just like Ugh, i was all about that and then um she has like this like huge leopard print coat and like heels and she's coming in she like lights a dart and she's got all her popcorn drops the popcorn all over Clarence, and like lights a dart and he's like oh my gosh what's up with this and then they start talking they go to pie they ask questions next thing you know they're banging sorry kids but you know that's what happens and then uh they find out that she's like a call girl And Clarence is all like, oh man, but I love you. And she's like, oh my god, I love you too, that quickly. It does happen. And uh so he goes to uh, basically like take back her freedom from a very like stereotypically played So like I love Gary Oldman, I really do. I think he's great, but in this film, I don't know what's happening. He's got the dreadlocks and he's like talking, like I don't even know how to word this, like being politically correct, but he's got like he's got this, it's almost like a caricature. He's like talking like this, like very caricature, like black man, um, and not even just a black man, like literally like a stereotypical, like, like media influence, like, yeah, black person, like it's literally like black people don't talk like Gary Olden was talking. Um, it was just, I don't know, it was very uncomfortable, I, was, I remember even saying it, like, with a girlfriend watching with me, and I was just like, I, this is, like, hard to watch, like, he does the role well, but, like, the voice, it just makes you very uncomfortable, and that's not even me being on my soapbox, or, like, race, but it's just, like, that part felt dated, but anyways so he's like i'm gonna buy back her freedom and being like the clever smart ass he is the envelope he hands to um gary oldman's character whose name like drex or drexel or something something weird there's nothing in it so then a fight ensues one thing leads to the other and again so i did warn you spoilers but i'm gonna try not to do the whole movie um he ends up killing the, this guy um leaves his id takes what he thinks is patricia arquette's character's uh, clothes but it turns up to be a big bag of coke so basically he's like all right so here's the deal we're gonna get, unload this coke um we're gonna like basically go on our way so it's like him trying to like figure out like through connections how to unload the coke how to make some money so they can leave meanwhile you have the police that are after him you have the mob that are after him and it's just like this big and not really even a caper but kind of it's kind of like this like constantly like barreling forward like con man caper type film and i just absolutely loved it lots of big names in the films which doesn't mean anything like it doesn't mean anything but at the end of the day they all play their part like there were some things like gary oldman and like samuel jackson and like brad pitt they're all like They're like top names, and in the actual credits, Um, they're featured there, and you're watching it, and Samuel Jackson is literally, quite literally in the movie for all five minutes, if that. He says like, I don't know what he actually says. He's like, hey man, what you doing? And all of a sudden, it's just, you know, like Willem Dafoe, like there was a firefight, but actually, that's for later. There is like a huge firefight later, but he dies. He's instantly dead. And it's like oh okay well okay um oh and same with like val kilmer but i'll get to that later and then like gary oldman he's got like two scenes and then he's gone um and then brad pitt he's like the stoner roommate which i did find like adorable in a, in a sense like he's in the film it's kind of like when he was like a big name in like 12 years of slave and he's only in the film for like 10 minutes 15 minutes but um he don't he, you know he plays his part you know what i'm not even gonna wait and then so like val kilmer He's in this small role, so I guess Clarence is kind of like this. I don't know. He's like in this, like kind of like an Elvis fanatic. He like even stops a guy in like a bar while he's like wasting time to be like, you know, they wrote like this amazing article, like why does people still have this fascination with Elvis? And you know, like you see like people like this, people like that, and they're all like weirdos and stuff. But even though like he himself is a huge Elvis fanatic, I don't know. Maybe I miss something there, but I, I just love that scene. But basically, his, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, when you like talk to yourself, there's like a version of you, I guess. I don't know. That's kind of like what I have where you like, you're kind of like rationalizing with yourself. It's not like you have like an alternate personality or anything like that, but you're just like, like, Oh, like I should have another bag of chips. Oh, but like, I sh- I like have, I have a, like a bag of chips already or like, should I do cut the grass here? No, probably not. You know, like, you're just like, you're talking to yourself for him. It was like, he almost like sub like fractioned off a portion of his brain that is like elvis and like he does like the whole like the snaps and stuff and he's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he does like all the humming and he's got like Hoo-ha! and he does like all of the like the elvis like movements and stuff and he's got his like glittery outfits jumpsuits and stuff and the whole time i was like who is that and the girlfriend was like oh it's brad pitt and i was like oh that makes sense because like brad pitt doesn't have a very big role i would buy that But then like i was thinking about it later i was like i never saw val kilmer like maybe i wasn't paying attention or something and then today i was just like where was val kilmer and he is quote unquote like the mentor or whatever he's credited as the mentor which was elvis that was elvis's character um and that's basically like his conscience and it's like he's doing stuff for him i always love that in films i don't know why but like when the person is just by themselves and the character that they're imagining or the, the person that's not actually there picks up something, like, physical in reality, like, something that's, like, palpable. So, like, for example, near the end of the film, he, like, picks up Clarence's gun. He, like, opens it up. He, like, spins the chamber. He looks at all the bullets or whatever and he like, flicks it back in and then, like, puts it down on, the on like, the, the glass. Or on the, on the glass. What are you talking about, Tyler? He puts it back down on the sink and... The bullets are like loaded but the whole time christian slater is just like psyching himself out like talking to the mirror while talking to elvis but the guns actually load it i don't know i love stuff like that because it reminds you like you're in a movie because like it's not real that's not reality although i'm sure people do have like personality complexes where that is a thing yeah it just it just that that wasn't it or i guess that's just it's not usually depicted like that in real life no one like has those like moments i don't know i feel like i'm digging a hole here so anyways that stuff was cool um another thing i loved about this film was it was very like a mixture of like it had very like 50s 60s kind of influence in like the clothing the music like the even like the just the style of the characters like how they portrayed themselves but it was also super 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 late 80s early 90s which i was just like oh my god like i was like very like very aroused i was you know i was very excited like because like 80s all 80s is like what i'm about and early 90s is good i'm never like oh 90s kids only 90s kids remember like i i do i do but i, I you know i'm not gonna be like from 1990 like nine be like 90s like it's not a thing I mean if you lived in Canada, we get everything a little bit later. Um, so like our like eighties were in the nineties and our nineties were very much still into the two thousands, but I don't I don't I don't usually jump on that bandwagon. But like fifties, sixties, seventies for like style, like girls appearances and just like even like the glasses that Clarence is wearing, like the Elvis glasses, I was like, Oh my good lord, like what I would give for that. Like those glasses are they almost look like heavy metal, like <laughs> heavy metal, but they almost look like you know, like solid, like metal glasses. Like they probably were plastic, but like you won't see glasses like that anymore. And like the actual rims of the classics, glasses, classics. What I don't know what that is. And like wrapped over, like his eyes almost. It like covered a lot of his eyes. They almost look like, like you could weld with those puppies. Like they were, they were solid. And like yeah, it's getting back to the Clarence, like he's just a smooth talker. He's bullshitting on his ass he's just like he's constantly prepared he like pulls a gun on like one of the guys like i just got a bad feeling about this man you're and they're like clarence pull back and he's like like no like you you tell me what it like what's happening you tell him let's just i was like man like you think when you're starting out with the film like he doesn't know what's going on but then you're kind of like thinking back like from the beginning of the film he's already like bold talking like he's sweet talking this this like nobody at the bar And then he's sweet-talking Patricia Arquette, like Alabama, at the movie theater. He wins her over, goes back to talk to the dad, wins the dad over, wins everybody over. Like, he is in control. Once he, like, gets another foot forward, another foot forward, he's got even a firmer grasp, and he just doesn't stop. Like, he's got his goals, you know, he's like... He, like, he basically, like, screws when he wants to screw. He talks when he wants to talk. He, like, takes action when he wants to take action, all being lovable. Like, nothing about him is, like, man, I hate that guy. The only thing you hate is, like, man, I wish I was that guy, you know? But <laughs> you know what I mean, fellas. But, uh, and then um, Patricia Arquette is, like, great, you know? Like, when you first see, you like, oh, she's, like, eye candy. But, like, no, her character is, like, very developed, and I was really enjoying it. That whole scene, I know it's, like, probably a really popular scene, but there's actually a few other scenes that I like, but the one with James Gandolfini, I was like, man, this is great because like he's kicking the ever living shit out of her. Like he really is. And you know, he's being, I, I, I'm going to be the first to say it. Well, not the first, I'm sure many have said that, but like, i definitely thought he was like gonna like you know like advance on her like rape her or something because it's just him and her but like you know she's saving face from the get-go like oh i'm just waiting for my husband i think you have the wrong room but he comes in with a gun so she you know she's just playing it cool and uh yeah like could i get you anything to drink like while you're waiting here type thing like my husband's gonna be here soon kind of thing and um he kind of plays along but then eventually you know he like he just gives her like he just slugs her in the side of the head and uh you know, he's kind of like having his way with her, like with just punching her and like torturing her type type scenario. But you know, she keeps her cool and she like, it's not like she doesn't play dumb necessarily, but she, she basically gets him where she wants him. And you know, she is very much in control of that scene. I'd love to watch that again. Like I'll probably watch this again pretty soon, to be honest, now that it's kind of fresh in my head, but she gets him kind of where she wants him and takes control. Like she's, like i'm not gonna beat her in the bush she gets like the the kicked out of her how she doesn't die is beyond me but she stays very much in control she's not afraid to pull any punches and when she finally gets that shotgun and she just starts like like unloading it on him (laughs) titties bouncing everywhere blood all over her like her hair is just like soaked it looks like there's like kool-aid running out of her hair She's just soaked and like her face is just ripped up like when like, Clarence is cleaning her up at the end. Her lip is, like, so puffy. Like, she looks like a, like like an Instagram model. Like, it's just, it's just full, 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 full. And, like, there's blood everywhere. Like, the makeup was actually pretty good for that. Like, they show, like, all the different cuts on her face and, like, bruising everywhere. Like, beaten up. Like, she was, like, beaten. And uh, there's tons of good stuff. The whole, like, Sicilian scene with, like, Dennis Hopper and, like, Christopher Walken, like, two greats. Like, two of my absolute, like... Film screen, like legend favorites. Christopher Walken, can't get enough of. Dennis Hopper, when he's not like, you know, off his horse like crazy, although sometimes that works, when he's just playing it straight, I love me some Dennis Hopper. Like, he is at his best in this film. I loved it. That whole scene is great. And like, that scene is got like watermarked, basically like Quentin Tarantino, because that whole scene is just a long dialogue scene that's like sharp and impactful, and you don't really realize how long you're watching it. It could be a short scene that seems like intense, like you just watched an entire film, like in a good way though, or it could be a long scene that like whips by because the dialogue's so snappy and on on the edge. Um, that was a great scene. Um, oh, the music, Hans Zimmer. Um. So, like, the girlfriend and I were, like, debating, like, because one of our faves is Rain Man. It doesn't, it's not really, like, a genre film. This film isn't really a genre film, but I just figured, you know, there's guns, it's, like, kind of, like, you know, pulpy, and it's got, like, a lot of, like, neon and music that I like, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this one. Whether this is, again, my first episode for this little segment, I don't know, but uh, the music is... We love Rain Man, and Rain Man's very much got a very distinct soundtrack, which I found out was Hans Zimmer's actually, like, first score, which is, yeah, kind of interesting. I didn't realize that. And that was in 1988. And then for this film, which I said was in 1993. So anyways, though, I don't know where I was going. I kind of lost my train of thought there. So, yeah, he did both films. Um, Obviously, like I said, Rain Man came first. um, But it's got, like, the... It's, like, almost, like, very, like, a xylophone... I don't know, like steel drums, like, like it's got like that kind of a sound for everything, which it works. It really does. And, um, but it's, just, it's so weird because they, they almost, I'm not going to say like, they're the same, you know, like in Deadpool two, when, um, like Ryan Reynolds is just like, yeah, like the frozen song, like, uh, do you want to build a, a snowman is almost the exact same song as like, uh, Papa, can you hear me from, oh, what is that? It's not, is it like fiddler on the fiddler on the roof. Damn, I, I can't think of it it's the one um it's the, the Barbra Streisand movie oh my god but it's not that close but like they sound similar in tone and like thematics it's a very echoic sound which <laughs> I just learned that um I was listening to um in Voorhees we trust with Gorley and Rust it's a podcast on the Friday the 13th series and uh he was telling the story about like how um you know like if you say like oh that that music's iconic or like that sound effect is iconic so i'm like <laughs> some dick in like his university was just like i think you mean iconic," because iconic means to be like a photo iconic is a sound and he's just like ah shut the fuck up and I was like dying because like we all know like a, f- a prude like that in university especially in film who's just like um actually I think you mean this because I read a book about it and nobody says that like seriously they would be like the kind of people that like 99% of people just say that and they're like actually in the dictionary. Uh, Most people in like the 1940s use this word, but in popular culture, that word's kind of fallen out of favor, but it's still the correct word. It's like, well, words can change, you know? Um, But yeah, it's kind of got that like echoic sound, um, which is weird. It's weird because like when you find out, when you look into Hans Zimmer and you see the kind of like scores he's done, you're like when you I definitely want to do this now like when did it start to change because he even did like Lion King um and he did like Driving Miss Daisy and stuff and they're like what because like most people who know Hans Zimmer they know like the like Dark Knight Inception like all the Christopher Nolan movies um like Batman versus Superman it's like it's just like all it's like two-tone bass but like in these ones it's like and you're like oh okay I don't I don't know what's uh, going on here, but Rain Man definitely has a better score. It's far more memorable, even though I can't recite any of it because I haven't seen Rain Man, Rain Man in some time. But yeah, I would love to like pinpoint where that changes. Um, oh, also too, there's like this crazy scene where it's like... It's like Eurodance. Like, and I was like, this is amazing. This is intense. And the scene goes for so long, and it's just like... So, this movie's got like 80s. It's got 50s. It's got like blonde girls with like curled hair. It's got fast talking con men. It's got good dialogue. It's got like cool clothes, cool cars, lots of cool pulp stuff, neon. I might have said neon twice neon, neon, neon. And then it's got like Eurodance music. It's got Elvis. I mean, this movie, I only had, I only thought I had a couple nails that you could hit on the head, but this film basically hit every nail on the head i was just like oh man like this table or cabinet or whatever i'm building with all these nails it's like finished like there's nails like poking out the side like this movie was hitting so many different nails on the head and then there's like that one awesome scene um some people like hilariously like there's this one cop the ah, i'm not even gonna pretend like i knew the names but all the cops there's like there's like mean dick kind of cop with like the mustache who's like the white guy the shorter white guy and then there's like sean penn's brother who's like he doesn't look like he should be a cop and then there's like black guy so like after all of the like the shootout happens like there's the cops and then there's like the oh my god yeah the 80s like businessman guy so you have like you have like the one actor um oh god the guy from beverly hills cop Oh my god what is his name oh my gosh i'm not even gonna be able to think of it now what is his goddamn name i want to say adrian but it's not adrian elliot okay so yeah you have bronson uh pinchot or pincott or however you say his name he's i always just know him as like the guy from beverly hills cop like uh you want a coffee or something i make it real nice for you little lemon twist it's real good that guy i always know him and so you have him and you have um Saul Rubinek. He plays uh Donowitz. So you have Elliot and Donowitz and they're like these like movie guys, these movie producer and actor, and like, damn the oh my god, Tyler, like how are you forgetting all this stuff? So anyways, let's just get to the point here. So they're like super 80s guys like big big guys from the 80s like i love it baby i love it this is perfect this is perfect like snoking snorting cocaine and just like all right we're gonna film like the sex scene we're gonna go to the pool scene everything's great like perfect like they seem like the kind of guys that were making like b slashers and stuff like that he's like i buy a movie i turn it around that's how easy it is i don't take risks baba boom bada bing and uh, i was like okay i'm already in love with these people but the amount of movie references, you can totally tell this was a Quentin movie because right from the get-go, he's like, obviously, the Sunny, the Sunny Chiba films, um, like, they're referring to the cocaine as, like, Dr. Shivago, because they're like, oh, that's a big movie. They're like, yeah, the biggest movie. And he's like, holy shit. So it's just like, if you don't know Dr. Shivago, I mean, not too many people do. It's a little bit older of a film, but it was, like, a huge epic. It's like, it's like a, it is a huge film. Um, and then they're like he's like talking about all the movies he's like all the non-movies and he's like yeah my uncle and my dad they both served in nom and like they said this was like the realest film and he's like yeah i'm all about that and they're listing another film oh gosh what are they basically anytime like he's like doing something he's like we're doing it like this like we're doing it like this is jaws style or like we're doing it like i don't know like we're doing it et or like we're doing it top gun just being like if you know what those films are then it's like all right perfect oh my god then they go to a theme park and i was just like man this is like eight degrees of like paramount or whatever or tony scott because tony scott did top gun um and then um his like one of his next films was true romance and they went to a paramount park and they were on a roller coaster and even though it wasn't top gun top gun was in was was a made for roller coaster for the paramount parks and i was like oh my gosh speaking of paramount did you guys know the drop zone like especially people i don't know if this was in any other paramount parks but if you were like growing up in the ontario area you definitely like knew drop zone because like anytime you're driving through vaughn you saw drop zone you're like oh my god wonderland i only just found out that that was like a wesley snipes movie from 1994 called drop zone i always just thought it was like oh because it drops but but apparently it's like a skydiving movie or like a I don't know, something. I didn't watch it. I just saw it pop up, and I was like, whoa. Anyways, drop some. Kind of cool. Um, what else? I feel like I've covered a lot of stuff. Cool music, cool clothes, cool dialogue. Um, and like it's not just that everything's cool. The story was good. The story moved at a snappy pace. Um, not that I'm against slow movies. There were slower parts, but I never once like lost interest in the film. I didn't feel like the need to like go to the bathroom or check my phone or just start talking during it. Um, all of the characters were lovable. All the characters played their part perfectly. Um, lots of blood. I don't know if you're into it. Like not like sl- slasher, but like very much like, like out of nowhere, like Robert Rodriguez or Quentin Tarantino or like David Fincher, like amount of blood, like they're talking and all of a sudden just like, bam, like shot. And like somebody's head explodes and it's all over the, the white wall. And you're like, whoa, like so you didn't see it coming. There's lots of that. And um, the music's great. The score is incredible. Um, the outfits are on point Um, it's just totally like for every like high school boy I don't know like I wish like I said I used to be like a big Quentin Tarantino guy Um, Pulp Fiction as good of a film it is I don't uh, pretend that it's the best movie ever made anymore I'm not uh, 16 years old Um, for all those people that love Pulp Fiction I'm not saying it's bad I'm just saying there's way better movies out there and you know Quentin Tarantino as much as I love the guy Nothing really about him is too too original. He borrows a lot. Um he makes great movies. I'm not going to take away from it. I see all of his movies in theater and I buy them because I love them. But I'm not going to say he is like amazing. He changed the movie game for a lot of people. A lot of people just try to be him. And in a lot of ways, I feel like Quentin Tarantino just tries to be him now. You know, like he's trying to reignite that flame. But that's neither here nor there. Um I just kind of wish that like I found this movie before I found Pulp Fiction when I was a kid um, because this movie is amazing. I'm glad I found it now because now I get to enjoy it now, um, whereas I'm tired of, like, Reservoir Dogs. I'm tired of Pulp Fiction. I'm tired of Kill Bill. I'm going to just say it. Um, I'm sure Inglorious Bastards will come next. I doubt it because, you know, Christoph Waltz really saves that film, but... <laughs> me, But, uh Yeah. Guys, see, and it's not too, too long. Um, Yeah, I wish I could say more. It's just, I wish I wrote down some stuff when I was watching it, but I was just like, you know what, I might as well talk about this because technically it is kind of like a movie shame. I like that, movie shame, film shame, movie shame. I don't know, I'll weigh in here. But yeah, I thought this would be perfect whether or not I air it. I know I've said this like two or three times now. First, I had something else in mind that I was gonna air first, but I think this would be the one I'm gonna do. Um, ba, 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 boop, boop. um, I got lots in the works, whether this comes out before or after my King Kong episode, I know I was gonna I was gonna post that later, but some stuff has happened um and I got a really big episode coming out for August, so I'm super pumped for that anyways, unless I can think of anything else um let me just hit pause here for a second I'm gonna pop come back yep, nope, nothing I can think of um but yeah, basically just I wish you know at the end of this film, you just, you're really happy with the outcome. And I just kind of wish that I was Clarence because that seemed like the most perfect life, even if it ended there. Like if like the movie didn't, if like that wasn't like an actual life, like if the movie was just, if I had that life for the two hours or whatever it is, that would have been really cool. I don't know. I never seen natural born killers, so I can't weigh in whether or not like as a film that Quentin Tarantino wrote, but didn't direct it like holds up. But is other film from Dust Till Dawn which I used to also love when I was in high school. I don't think that holds up as well as True Romance. I know they both have their fans. I'm not going to say from Dust Till Dawn is a bad film cuz it's not. It really isn't. I I love the film, but I just means I just mean in terms of how hard I was like pulled in. That opening scene in from Dust Till Dawn is good, but I definitely I think just because this one's fresh right now, I would put it Miles Above from Dust Till Dawn. Um, and I haven't seen Natural Born Killers. So I, I don't know. I don't know what other films he's written, but hasn't uh, directed. I'm going to, I'll post some more on Instagram about this whenever I actually air this episode. Um, and just, you know, recommend movies to me. I might have seen them, I might not. But, you know, if you throw some movies to me, like, you have to see this movie. This movie's a classic, as long as it, like, falls into horror sci fi. Um, this one kind of being the exception, the only exception um, for now. Um, Just yeah, let me know. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Um, Stay rad and uh, Tyler out.